And we are back for another episode of Tackling the Premier League with your host, Jack Sosa17, BJ the Germ Jackson, and J Sue the Boob Super. Guys, how are we doing? Just happy to be back after the international break. Oh, yeah, we're good this way. Awesome. Good to hear it, guys. We are uh, so excited to bring you another episode of the podcast. If you're following along, listening to all our episodes, we greatly appreciate it. Make sure you drop us a five-star review. If you have any friends that love soccer, send the pod to them so they can enjoy it as well. Follow us on Twitter. That's Tackling the Prim, at Tackling the Prim, and uh, interact with us. You can follow along with our polls. Uh, we did a next manager to be sacked poll, and, of course, the next manager that got sacked was not even in the poll, but we will be running better polls in the future. And you can also tweet <laughs> at us things you want to hear in the future. Uh, with that, guys, I guess we'll get started with uh, uh, this weekend's games. Uh, this was game week nine, uh, and it started off with a North London Derby, 7.30 in the morning Eastern Standard Time, bright and early, and the action didn't take long to get started, did it, guys? No, not at all. Yeah, no, it didn't. It started just how you would uh, predict it would with Arsenal dominating possession, looking to get passes in, and Tottenham kind of sitting back and letting them do their thing, looking for the counter. Absolutely. 20 minutes in with Tottenham pinned back deep into their own end. Makayo Osaka on the right wing finds his right back, Ben White, who then passes to Thomas Partey, who has acres of space to smash one in one time into the right side of the net. Arsenal flying up 1-0 20 minutes in against their arch-rivals Tottenham. What a goal this was, guys. I mean, absolutely. When he received, when Partey received the ball and uh, one touched it with that shot, there was not a defender around him. He had at least five yards uh, cir- circle around him. It's crazy how much space he had. Tottenham were clearly okay with just sitting back, and we made him pay with that one. And Partey, he absolutely finished it. We actually ran that same uh, play in the preseason in the Florida Cup against Chelsea and Partey sent the ball right over the crossbar so it's a play we've been um, running for a while now and we executed it brilliantly here yeah beautiful goal it was by Partey <clears throat> nothing to take away from the goal but Tottenham just has to step up there you can't give somebody that much room absolutely acres of space for him and especially you know he was probably five yards off the box I mean we're talking you know, 25 yards away from the goal. You got to step up. You can't You can't let anybody have that shot. Yeah, just a bad showing of low block defending and a great advantage taking out for Arsenal there. Um, it would not take long for Spurs to respond, though. About 11 minutes later, Richarlison dribbling around in the box, brought down by the bald Gabriel, who now has hair, but I'm still going to refer to him as the bald Gabriel because there's three Gabriels on his team. Um, and who else but Harry Kane steps up and against his England teammate fresh off an international break, puts it straight down the middle. Ramsdale diving to his right out of the way. 1-1. Yeah, it was very upsetting to see uh, Gabriel do that. I mean, he's, he's becoming known for it now. Kind of taking that role from Xhaka. Honestly, being the one that messes up it. So I've been saying it for a while now. I think our best center back pairing is William uh, Saliba and um, Ben White. But we'll have to wait to see that because our lineup is not changing for a while as we were rolling. And to be fair, uh, Ben White's played well in that right back role. So exactly. But yeah, I think Gabriel is silly to lunge in there. I think he's got to. I think he's got to make Rashalson convert with his left foot moving inwards towards the box, and at least take away all his options for passing. It was, it was a, a tackle that did not need to be made, but was made, and gave Harry Kane a chance to convert his 
14th goal against Arsenal, seven of those being penalties, it is the most goals by one player against a Premier League team. Uh, and and Harry, Harry Kane owns that now. So we're going to halftime, 1-1, uh, and we got ourselves a, a, a great game. Come out of halftime, and Arsenal had something to prove. Uh, four minutes in, Bukayo Saka gets the ball on the uh, right side of the box. You're starting to see a little theme here with Bukayo Saka getting the ball. Uh, instead of double teaming like they had the entire game, Tottenham only sent one defender out there, and Bukayo Saka made him pay as he cuts inside, rips a shot. Hugo release Hugo Lloris spills the save, and Gabriel Jesus is there to clean it up after a little bit of confusion between Romero and Luis. And Arsenal are back up two one. Yeah, it was a brilliantly worked goal. Um, like you said, they only had one defender over there, and they tried to bring a second defender over, but Ben, uh, ben White again made a brilliantly overlapping run, which caused one of the defenders to have to pull off a little bit and gave Saka that space and created the shot. And obviously Hugo Lloris fumbled it, and Gabriel Jesus, as striker, you want him to be in the right spot at the right time, and that's where he was. Yeah, he was, but the goalkeeper that Lloris is, you would expect him to be able to keep a handle on it and not let that happen. You'd expect him to parry that out of the way of danger, but instead he parried it right in front of himself to the six. Uh, Christian Romero tried to play it right back to him, and, and, and he just didn't get a handle on it, and there was Jesus to poach. Twelve minutes later, uh, a Tottenham Hotspur player, Emerson Royale, sees a red card for a challenge made on the shin of an Arsenal player. Studs up just above the ankle, no real chance of getting the ball. Nowhere near the goal. He's on the opposite, complete opposite side of the pitch. Uh, just kind of a silly challenge and, and a straight red shown. This may have come as, as to a surprise from some people. Uh, we'll get your opinions on the guy. Is, is that a red card? Yeah, absolutely. I might be biased a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> Justin, what do you think? Yeah, I don't think it was. I mean, very obvious yellow, but red right there is harsh, I think. Um but silly tackled nonetheless by Royale uh, being where they were on the pitch. Yeah, I'm okay with with a red card being shown there. First, I want to give my opinion. I think it's an orange card. Uh, it's in between a yellow and a red card. I'm okay with a red card being shown there, but this is Anthony Taylor we're talking about. This is the same referee that a few weeks ago let Virgil van Dyke put an absolute nasty challenge straight into the shin of a different player and only gave him a yellow card. The consistency is my problem. If if that's a red card, then all the all the other challenges that were worse than that one need to also be red cards, and they're just not being shown red. And I can understand if it was a different referee who was not showing red to, to, in those challenges, but this is the same exact referee we're talking about. This is the same referee who saw Christian Romero pull Mark Cucurera's hair in the box and did nothing about it. This is the same referee who let Virgil van Dyke put a studs up straight into the shin challenge to Amandu Anana and gave him only a yellow card. And obviously, you know, this is a dangerous challenge. Studs up, like I said, above the ankle, right on the side of the leg. Just no consistency, and there's got to be consistency. That's all we're asking for. Yeah, if he's consistently calling that a red or a yellow, it's got to be consistent, just like you said. Oh, it wouldn't take long for Arsenal to uh, take advantage of, of Tottenham Hotspur going down to 10 men as Granite Xhaka scores just five minutes later. 
this one this one was a, an interesting goal. It was great attacking play. Uh, Martinelli cuts inside and hands the ball off to Xhaka, who takes it on his left foot and uh, puts Arsenal up 3-1. And that's how this one would finish. Just a great professional showing by Arsenal to finish the game out. And uh, disappointing for Tottenham is, is they, weren't, they weren't able to really, really hit on the counterattack. Yeah, I was uh, really happy to see uh, Zaka put that one away. His building confidence, great, and that attacking, uh, more advanced role that we're playing him in this season. So I'm really happy to see that from him. Keep on building it. Yeah, Tottenham took full advantage because I'm pretty sure that's where Royale would have been. But like you said, BJ, Zaka has been looking really good in that more attacking role rather than having to come back and defend. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll be the first to say it was something I was critical of at the beginning of the season. I thought surely there was someone else who could play that position for Arsenal and do that job better than a defensive-minded Jaka. But he's made me eat my words, and I don't mind eating my words because I, I really enjoy seeing it. We're looking at arguably one of the top two teams in the Premier League right here, Arsenal, and a big month still to go, but they, they really are, are putting in the performances to show that they, they mean business. Well, we'll move to the 10 o'clock games, and there was a, a whole slate of 10 o'clock games today. Um, the first one being uh, the most boring of them all. Uh, Bournemouth and Brentford squared off in a match that had a little bit of controversy, a few chances here and there, but nothing really going for it that that, uh, that made this one interesting to watch. Um, 0-0 was the final score. It, it, there was a bit of controversy. A Brentford defender slipped. Um, and in the box, and as slipping, he tripped up a Bournemouth player. Very easily could have been called a pin. Um, it seemed like the defender got the ball at first glance, but after watching it on the replay, it seemed like he got Zamora first and brought him down. <clears throat> but VAR called referee over, and he stuck to his guns and called no pin. I mean, could have been either way, in my opinion. Kind of what you call on the field there. Uh, yeah, so I I agree with that one, Justin. I mean, at first glance, you think, yeah, he got all ball. Um, but would you go back and look, and, and he slides, it, and it, it kind of looked like Zamora was making the most of it. Kind of looked like Zamora saw the opportunity to uh, to trip over a downed defender, um, and and try to get a pin. And I think the referee made the correct decision on this one. I like I like seeing that because I feel like when the call is made on the field and the referee goes over to the monitor, it, it 100% is always reversed. But this one, he, he stuck to his guns. He said, hey, look, I'm, I think I made the right decision here. I'm going to move on. And we moved on. And, and you know, I think, it, I think personally it was a good call. There was a second one in the second half, uh, a shot for handball. Ball took a deflection, popped up, nailed someone on the arm. Arm – was the arm in a natural position? I don't think so. Justin, what do you think? Yeah, I don't think his arm was in a natural position, but he kind of gets turned around whenever he tries to kick it away and completely whiffs on it. And a player of Jansen's ability, you would think that he would make good contact and clear it away first time, but he didn't here. And, yeah, that could have been called a pin as well. <clears throat> Yeah, another another one that Brentford got away with here. Uh, this one would end no no. This is a this is a pretty pretty positive result here for uh, for Bournemouth as as they are still working and trying their best to stay in the Premier League. Uh, since since the sacking of the coach, they drew no no with Wolves. 
Uh, they beat Nottingham Forest coming back from 2-0 down in that game. They drew with Newcastle United, and they've drawn with Brentford. So we're talking about six points here out of four games against decent opponents. Uh, Bournemouth are putting, up, putting, putting together a little run, and they have none other than Leicester City coming up next. So, uh, you know, hopefully they can keep it up, and hopefully they can maintain their Premier League status by the end of the season. Yeah, also, uh, I mean, you obviously, you obviously said that there was two clean sheets in there. And ever since um, their manager got sacked, they've been starting Neto and goal and really looked a lot more organized. So it could be what they need moving forward. Yeah, two big clean sheets at that because they didn't score in either of those games. Yeah. I will move forward to Graham Potter's first game in charge, uh, first Premier League game in charge of Chelsea. Uh, they squared off against London rival Crystal Palace, um, and it did not start well for Graham Potter as Crystal Palace made them pay in the uh, seven minutes. Seventh minute, Jordan Ayew played a brilliant ball in after some great buildup from Crystal Palace, and Edward scored just seven minutes in to make it one 0 Moments later, uh, a bit of controversy coming out of uh, this one as uh, Thiago Silva goes to play a ball. He's the last defender. I think that I think there's no debate there. He goes to play a ball. Um, he, he's put under pressure, and he slips. And uh, he felt he was fouled, so he stretched out his hand to stop the ball. Um, and the referee didn't agree with him, didn't think he was fouled. He stopped the game. And VAR looked at this one, but a yellow card was the only thing administered for Thiago Silva. Uh, what do we think of this, guys? Is it is this a red card, a denial of clear goal scoring opportunity, or is a yellow card fair here? I think it's a red. I really do. I mean, I th- I thought uh, he was in. I mean, who else was back there to really stop him being one on one with the keeper? That's a goal scoring opportunity, right? That's what the definition of it is being one on one with the keeper, almost. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, yeah. I I feel like as soon as he Tiago Silva was down. The ref's not calling that a foul. He's got the ball around him. The only way he stopped him was sticking his hand out. I mean, I just I think that's a red in my eyes. Yeah, I agree with BJ here. I don't really think he thought he was being fouled there or was going to get a foul call. I think he knew the situation was yep. that IU was going to be in on goal, and so he did what he had to do, stop the ball, and I think it should have been a red. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, guys. I think I think you could call this one a red for two reasons. One, obviously, denial of a clear goal-scoring opportunity as the last man uh, handling the ball, and second is uh, you know there's a you can administer a red card for a purposeful handle of the ball if you use your hands to for any reason in soccer on absolute 100% purpose it, it can be a straight red card and I think that those both of those make it a red card I think you give this a double red card we'll, we'll introduce it as the garnet card and you know there's the orange card which is yellow in between yellow and red there's a red card which is you know a red card and then I think this is the garnet card guys I think this is an obvious one you know, a major blunder by uh, by the match officials uh, something that you know, cannot go. It, it can't happen. Chris Cavanaugh has to make that decision, and he has to make it. He has to get that one right. I, I don't understand how you don't get that one right. He lets it go, um, and just six minutes later, Chelsea get a goal to tie this one up. Uh, we'll talk about this goal. I mean, uh, Thiago Silva was actually the one who assisted it, someone who shouldn't even be on the field. He plays a, a pass into uh, Obama Yang, through the lines of Crystal Palace, Aubameyang with a brilliant turn 
And an absolutely amazing finish. Uh, his first goal for Chelsea in the Premier League, and, and that draws the game level 1-1 in the 38th minute. What did we think of that goal, guys? Yeah, I mean, uh, who played that ball all the way up to Silva? I think it was uh, Havertz, if I'm not mistaken, and Silva was up there just lurking at the top for some reason, and he got a head, header on it, and Aubameyang, without even taking a touch, swiveled with the ball and first touch uh, volley right into the, um, was the lower 90 for a goal. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant shot, brilliant finish. What do you think, Sue? Yeah. yeah, not even not uh, even taking a touch, but not even taking a look at the goal. He knew where he was on the pitch. Just yep. true, a striker finish right there. I mean, exactly what Chelsea wants to see out of their number nine. Absolutely. Uh, and that's how we go into halftime, 1-1. Uh, uh, really just a uh, just a, a brilliant goal and, and a new signing for Chelsea really gets to get off the mark. So, that's that's good to see. Uh, we'll go into halftime, and really just a, a, an even second half. I think it needs to be said, and we'll bring it up. Connor Gallagher was introduced into the game in the 76th minute for Kai Havertz, and he came on to a round of applause from the Crystal Palace Stadium. You know, he was voted last year as Crystal Palace's Player of the Year on loan from Chelsea. Um, that was a touching moment. Uh, I think if those fans in the stadium knew what was to come, they might not have given him the ovation that they did. Because uh, in, in in the 90th minute, just before stoppage time, uh, Connor Gallagher with a just a brilliant shot, a banger, uh, and he sealed uh, three points for Chelsea in a 2-1 match. What do we think of that goal, guys? Yeah, it was like you said, it was an absolute banger. It was brilliant by um, Gallagher there. He uh, finessed it right into the top corner. Nice bins. Yep. Yeah, y'all covered it pretty well. That result sees uh, Crystal Palace drop to 17th, only on six points, and uh, Chelsea move up to fifth on 13 points. Uh, a little bit of trouble here in Paradise for Crystal Palace um, as, as they're not getting the results that they would really like to see. I mean, yeah, that is a rough spot for them. They've um, played some pretty tough opponents, though, if you, if you look at their um... – the opponents they played, so I'm not too sure. Hopefully, they can get it back back rolling. We'll see. Absolutely, yeah. So, uh, Crystal Palace's season so far was a 2 0 loss to Arsenal opening day, a draw with Liverpool. They beat Aston Villa 3 1. They lost to Man City 4 2. They drew with Brentford. They drew with Newcastle. And uh, this loss with Chelsea up next for them is Leeds, uh, another team. So, yeah. They've played four out of the uh, big six already, and they've all, I mean, they lost three of them and drew to Liverpool. So, I mean, that's pretty good for a club outside of, I mean, the top 10, really. Yeah, but with those other results, you got to find a way to win at least one, if not two of those. Absolutely. Um, three points is, is, is very important against the teams that are at or below your level. And if you can grab a point or even three points against the teams that are better than you, that's that's good. But most importantly, you got to focus on beating the teams or, or below you or around you. Another new, uh, excuse, another ten o'clock game. Uh, Fulham hosted Newcastle United. Uh, this one started with a little bit of fireworks earlier, as Nathan Chalaba sees red in the eighth minute and really put Fulham behind the uh, behind the curve on this one. And that's my excuse for Mitrovic not scoring. Uh, I'd like to bet on him every game to score. The red card is the reason he didn't score in this one, so I'm just going to chalk that one up as a, a draw for me. Uh, Pretty rough for Fulham here. Uh, they were without Polina. They're one of their honestly one of their best players, other than Mitrovic this year, playing really well. First season in the Premier League, 
wasn't even in the lineup or on the bench. So that hurt them a lot. That's where Chalaba slotted in, and it hurt him right off the rip. I mean, are you sure that Mitrovic not scoring was due to him coming off in the 36th minute, <clears throat> which is very concerning if you're Fulham, especially if he's out for an extended amount of time. Um, for obvious reasons, as he has six goals already on the season. Absolutely. That is, that's a tough blow. Both of those, Polina and Mitrovic. Um, Newcastle, it would not take them long to, uh, to take advantage of, of Fulham's red card. It's three, three minutes after the red card in the 11th minute, Callum Wilson uh, finishes to put them up 1-0. 33rd minute, Miguel Almiron with a beautiful ball. I'm not so sure that he meant, meant for this to happen, but it just kind of I, I think he did. Just, I think he did. Just a ball kind of popped up in the air, and he took a one-touch strike, and it it ended up in the back of the net. Uh, and, and Newcastle would finish off the scoring in the forty-third minute. The uh, scoring for the first half in the forty-third minute with a Sean Longstaff goal, three-nil at halftime. Tough half for for uh, Fulham here, guys. What do we think of those three goals in that first half? I mean, like you said about the Alan Moron goal, that was beautiful by him. Um, I think he totally meant it. You can look at the replay of the goal and see he was. Uh, looking at the ball the whole time as it was coming over his shoulder, and he meant to hit it like that. I really do believe that. Yeah, I think so too. Made the most out of nothing there. And going yeah. back to the first goal, um, the ball that Trippier played in, it was beautiful. It deserved – he deserved the assist for that, but uh, – Willett got uh, it. Hey. Yeah, Willett got it, and then Callum Wilson steals it off the line. So, yep. I mean, good team goal there. Willick should have got the goal. I really think I think that was going in as well. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, two more goals in the second half. One from uh, Newcastle. Another, a second from Miguel Abron to to have a brace, and then uh, obviously a consolation goal from Bobby De Cordova Reed in the 88th minute. Sees this one finish four one. Uh, obviously, you know the red card changes this game. It was a clear red card. I, I don't think anybody can is any arguments against that, uh, but. It, you know, I feel like this is a pretty even matchup if there's 11 men on the field for both teams. Uh, but like we said earlier, Mitrovic and Paulinho both being injured is going to mean pretty bad news for this Fulham side that uh, that also has their left back and Anthony Robinson, the American, out. You don't want to see them drop out. They've had such a brilliant start to the season so far. Yeah, and in their next five, if they have everybody healthy, they got a very good run of games as far as <laughs> – uh, they could get points from in West Ham, Bournemouth, Villa, Leeds, and then Everton. So if they lose most of those or don't get any points from, it could really turn around their season with how well they started. Absolutely. You would expect them to get a, a fair amount of points from those next five games, but without healthy players on the field, it, it's going to be very difficult. Yeah, I think just going off the red card, I think this red card honestly gave a big boost to Newcastle and it's going to help them going forward in the season. Um, Willick with two assists in this game. Really happy to see that from the former Arsenal lad. Yeah, he came alive in this one, definitely. He's been around the entire season. He, he He's one that's not doesn't always show up on the stat sheet, but he, he does. A, he puts a shift in every game and he, and he really gets in and around the danger zone and creates chances. So good to see him get in on the stat sheets. All right, well, we'll move to a six-game thriller at Anfield. Uh, Liverpool hosted Brighton and Hove Albion. Before this game, uh, Jurgen Klopp comes out to defend his right-back, Trent Alexander-Arnold, and saying that uh, 
he he sometimes gets caught out defensively because he's the first person to press and he has to press higher up the field than everybody saying that he is still a good defender uh that the media just gives him a lot of stick uh i think Jurgen Klopp would go on to eat those words guys because in the fourth minute uh Trent Alexander-Arnold has a little bit of trouble uh clearing a ball and Leandro Trossard gets on the end of it and makes it 1-0 early in the fourth minute. What do we think of that goal? And what do you think about Trent Alexander-Arnold's uh, struggling at the back? Yeah. Uh, Trossard sat Trent Alexander-Arnold down, sat that man down. I like that a lot. Yeah, you're not really seeing much from Trent Alexander-Arnold either at the back or going forward this season. I mean, he did just hit that free kick against Rangers, but that was Champions League. But or so in the prim, he hasn't done a whole lot. Yeah, and I don't think we've ever questioned whether Trent Alexander-Arnold can score or assist. I think that's something that everyone knows he's able to do. It's 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 all about the defending side of the game because you have to do both as a fullback. And I don't uh, he hasn't he hasn't been good enough on that side of the ball, and that's that's where. The comments come from it wouldn't take long for him for Trent Alexander Arnold to have yet another blunder as Leandro Trossard grabs his second in the 17th minute from yet another failed clearance from Trent Alexander Arnold. Uh, it's 2 0 inside of 20 minutes at Anfield, and Brighton and Halvobian are up thanks to Trent Alexander Arnold. A little bit of groans going around the Anfield crowd in that one. Uh, you know, they, their manager just come out to defend a player, and that player made two mistakes early in the game uh, and have their team down early 2-0. What do we think of the second goal? Yeah, it was rough by Trent Alexander-Arnold again. Just got caught walking around on the pitch. Just didn't even care to hustle back and maybe get in his position and potentially help his team because, you know, the ball ended up kind of on the right back side of the field. But, yeah, very, very poor from Trent Alexander-Arnold. And you would think with all the flack that he's been getting, he would at least hustle. That's the one thing that you can control, your hustle. Um, and it's just not there. I mean, just got to be better. Absolutely. Especially if he wants to make a run in this England squad with all the defensive options that they have. Absolutely. And I don't, th- I, I don't want this to take away from the fact that Brighton played absolutely brilliant for both of these two goals. Obviously, it helped that a Liverpool defender didn't, didn't do his job. But Brighton, under their new manager, still look like the same team. It was a, there was a couple of very Potter-esque moves that, that were played through, and, and they, they played a very good game. This wasn't two gifted goals by any means. It, it just helps that they weren't uh, playing against a very, very – Promising right or not promising, a very good right back. Um, Liverpool would respond, however, as they usually always do. Uh, Mo Salah uh, gets played through, um, has a shot on goal, and, and a great save by David Rea. But uh, Roberto Firmino's there to make it two one on the rebound, um, and then Roberto Firmino again after halftime in the fifty fourth minute, uh, a brilliant set of feet dribbling. You know, in and out of a couple of defenders, and he makes it two-two. Uh, two goals from Roberto Firmino, who was chose to start over Liverpool new guy Darwin Nunes, and he he showed his worth and he showed his value there to to draw a Liverpool level. What do we think of those two goals from Roberto Firmino? I mean, you said it pretty well. It's nice to see the man get on the score sheet. This dude really doesn't get on it too much. So he does more of the pressing and passing, and seeing there's a false nine. So. 
Yeah, doing all the dirty work. But with him starting over, Nunez, uh, you're going with somebody who's a bit more Premier League proven. Um, and Nunez obviously isn't that. Firmino's older, more experienced. He knows how to find the back of the net at times, which is exactly what this Liverpool squad needs. Definitely. And they would find the back of the net again. Uh, no thanks to any of the Liverpool players. A corner was taken. Uh, David Rea comes to try to clear the ball. Goes right through his gloves and uh, smacks Adam Webster on the shoulder. Uh, right into the back of the net. And Liverpool found themselves up 3-2 after being down 2-0. Yeah, nothing Webster could have done about that either. Just because Sanchez completely misses the punch there. But you can't count this Brighton team out, especially with the way that they were playing in this game. They really looked a better team in possession and, and the way they moved the ball. Uh, a very high amount of passes uh, in one move found across. Finds Leandro Trossard on the back post uh, in none other than Trent Alexander-Arnold's area. And uh, he finishes to tie the game 3-3. A hat-trick for Leandro Trossard. Uh, and, and a brilliant point away from home for the Seagulls here. Yeah, ball played all the way across from Matoma too. And that's a nice sub that they're going to have coming off the bench for him, in my opinion, as I think he's got a very high ceiling as far as his potential goes. Definitely. B.O., you got anything else to add to this one? No, just Trussard got that hat trick at Anfield. That must, be, that must feel pretty damn good. Absolutely. A good feeling for him and a good impression to make on the new boss. Uh, with that, we'll move on to uh, the last 10 o'clock game. Uh, St. Mary's played host to uh, Southampton taking on uh, Everton. Um, and this one, like most Everton games, started off like with a pretty boring half. I'll say Everton were the better team in the first half with lots of possession. Um, very a, a little bit of a sloppy first half. But uh, Everton unable to make the most of their chances and, and Southampton without making – most of their chances either. Uh, halftime comes, second half starts, and four minutes in, Southampton new boy Joe Aribo uh, puts them up 1-0 with a, with a pretty decent drive uh, into the Everton box and a, and a nice strike, in, and Southampton found themselves up 1-0. What do we think of that goal from Joe Aribo? Pretty solid goal uh, with the run that he made. <clears throat> Just slid it past Pickford and goal, put him up 1-0. Uh, it's exactly what Southampton needed as they're used to coming from behind, but obviously didn't last too long. He had a pretty good amount of time in the box too, which is unfortunate to see. Um, he got that shot away um, between two defenders, like you said, um, and Pickford just couldn't get to it. It wouldn't take long for Everton to respond, though, uh, as uh, off the ensuing kickoff, uh, players fouled on, on the left-hand side of the pitch. The free kick is slung into the box to the back post where uh, giant Amadou Anana is found. His header back across the goal, and Connor Cody with the tap in gets his first goal in the Royal Blue for Everton and draws the game 1 1. With that finish, um, y'all should have tried, tried him out at damn striker. <laughs> uh, with, the, with the momentum swinging towards Everton's way, uh, on the ensuing kickoff, just two minutes later, Everton, with a nice buildup, uh, finds Awobi. Awobi plays a ball into the back post where none other than Amadou Onana is waiting. A nudge in the back from Kyle Walker-Peters brings both players down, and Dwight McNeil all alone has a time to take a touch and a brilliant strike near post. Keeper no chance, 2-1. 
Yeah, great cross there from Iwobi, who looks a changed man ever since Frank's taken over. But, yeah, like you said, McNeil just blasted past Bazuno's near post. No chance of stopping it with the pace that was on it. Yeah, like you said, Iwobi a changed man under Frank. He he is uh, second in the league in uh, open play chances created behind none other than Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, and he's led this Everton team to their second straight win and, and Everton being unbeaten in the league in six games. All three of these goals in this game came within inside of five minutes. Talk about, you know, uh, some fireworks. The rest of the game, Everton kind of sat back and saw this one out. Uh, a bit of history was made before a ball was even kicked. Southampton is the first team in the Premier League to name a starting 11 with, with five players with double last names. Uh, so, you know, a little bit of history there. That was very interesting. It was a nightmare for commentators as they, you know, they're spitting out double last names the entire time. 2 1 your final score here. We'll move on to uh, the last Saturday game. This is a, a 12 o'clock uh, match or 12 30 matchup between West Ham United and Wolverhampton Wolves. I think we called this one uh, an El Sakiko as well because b- both managers on the hot seats in this one. West Ham, West Ham would break through from their new man, Jean Lucas Samaka, in the 29th minute. Uh, putting them up 1-0. What do we think of that goal, guys? Yeah, what a nice goal it was. This is on the edge of the box and a rocket past side and goal. Hit straight on by the new West Ham man. <clears throat> nice way to open your account. Yeah, he popped it right up. Uh, he popped it right up to himself and smacked the hell out of that. It was a really nice goal. Happy to see that from the new signing. And he celebrated like he wanted to hear it from the crowd, too. It was pretty funny. Absolutely, it's a good way to uh, good way to get on the manager's good side, especially when you're fighting a uh, uh, a permanent marker name on the on the team sheet with Mikel Antonio, who's been the number nine there for a while. Uh, they've been going back and forth on who should start, and, and if if you want to start, you got to score goals, and and he did just that. Uh, the second goal for West Ham would come just after halftime in the 54th minute from a, a man struggling to find his form, Jared Bowen. Uh, he, he nets in the 54th minute with, with a nice goal, and that's how this one would end. What do we think of that second goal? Oh, it was a really, really nice work goal by West Ham, um, and then uh, that finish by Bowen was pretty nice too. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly what he needs to see himself potentially into this England squad as well. Yeah, absolutely, right before the World Cup. All these England play, English players want to get in the form. Mm-hmm. A very important goal for West Ham and also for David Moyes, their manager, as he was seen to be under pressure to, before this game. Uh, this sees West Ham grab three points from this one, and uh, Wolves with yet another shutout. Uh, it was announced on Monday that uh, their manager, Bruno Lodge, has seen the sacking and, and has been shown the door, no longer in charge of Wolverhampton Wonders. Uh, Justin, I think I think you were the uh, fortune teller on this one. You've been calling this for a few weeks. I'll let you. I'll let you say what did you, what did you think of the sacking? I mean, I kind of agree with it. I mean, you did raise the points where he has all this talent. He's been getting his uh, guys in, but they spent too much in the past year or so while he's been in charge for him to really keep up his tenure there. In my opinion, one win and. 14 or this, I think this game marked 15 games dating back to last season, which that's just not good enough with the uh, pedigree of players that you have. DJ? 
Yeah, Justin said it really well. I mean, uh, you got to expect uh, Bruno Lars to do better with the players that he has in the system, especially going out and spending, what, $40 million on um, Nunez in the midfield. And they have one of the best, like we've been saying for the whole um, season so far, they have one of the best midfield trios when they're playing together. So you expect better from them. Absolutely. And talking about when they're playing together, Ruben Neves picked up his fifth yellow card this year, so he's going to miss Chelsea this coming week. Oof, that's rough. That's real rough for for Wolves. This, their caretaker manager has a difficult first game. Uh, I think it's kind of a sacking. Is it, you don't really see Bruno Lars's Wolves picking up any points against Chelsea. Obviously, you don't see the caretaker manager, but you just don't want Bruno Lars to have to go through that as uh, as one of his last games. So they they, they showed him the door and and. Uh, Wolves will move on, and so will we. We'll move on to the Sunday game. This one starts off just like Saturday did with the Derby. This is the Manchester Derby. Manchester City hosting Manchester United at the Etihad Stadium. Um, and like the the North London Derby, the Manchester Derby started off with fireworks early. Uh, a, a Phil Foden eighth-minute goal sees uh, City up early in the first half. Uh, Foden cuts inside and played the ball all the way across the pitch kept moving into the box and found himself wide open for a, a brilliant one-touch goal to put them up 1-0. Yeah, great movement by Foden there and uh, great by Bernardo to find him. Really good uh, work from those two. Absolutely. Uh, 34th minute, Manchester City get a corner kick off, off of a, a cleared ball, uh, a save from David De Gea. Rafa Varane is off injured on the side of the Field to Manchester United temporarily playing with 10 men. Uh, ball comes in right into the middle of the six, and uh, none other than Erling Holland finishes it off to make 2 0 uh, in the 34th minute. Manchester United down early. Yeah, he was determined to get to that ball. Um, you watched the, his face on the whole uh, corner. It's just pure determination. He was going to be the one to win it. Austrian. Yeah, absolutely. Justin said it really well there. He was very determined to get to this ball. You can see there's just a movement in the box and everything to get to the ball and very powerful header by him. Just three minutes later, KDB carrying the ball forward as he does so well. Uh, gets his head up and finds Erling Holland lurking on the back shoulder of an unexpected Rafa Varane. Uh, plays a beautiful curling ball in and an outstretched Erling Holland flying through the air like a Kung Fu kick, uh, finds the back of the net. It's 3-0 in the Manchester Derby. Uh, we're 37 minutes in, and Erling Holland's already on a brace. What do we think of that goal, guys? The great cross by KDB uh, to where your guy could get it, and great anticipation by Holland there. Um, I feel like most attackers would just let that ball go out of bounds for what it was worth. Um, but he really has a knack for finding the goal. Yeah, good finish by Holland there. Um, but I, I have to say it, fellas, if we had a defender that wasn't 5'7 right there in front of KDB, I feel like that ball would have been blocked with a nice header. Yeah, that one definitely could have uh, could have been changed with a, with a little bit taller of a defender. But I think, you know, 
he, he Lisandro Martinez has has done very well this season. I think I think you you kind of just chalked that one up as a oh, as oh, a brilliant he, ball. He, he has. Don't get me wrong. He has done a good job. But I mean, the height comes into play at some points, and that was one of the points right there. Definitely came into play. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. But this is ever since uh, Brentford, whenever United lost four nil back early in the year, that we've called it out. Um, so he's really been one of United's players. Definitely. Uh, this season. Definitely. We'll move on to uh, the final goal of the first half, which I can't find. My, I can't believe I'm finding myself saying. <laughs> Erling Holland carrying the ball forward, and three Manchester United defenders step up to him, as you would expect them to do because he's so dangerous with the ball. Or even without the ball, he's just so dangerous. He's just so dangerous. Um, and he's able, he's able to find a Phil Foden hanging out right behind all, all three defenders. He's on sides. Um, and and Phil Foden would find the back of the neck to put Manchester Manchester City up four nil in the first half. Uh, a difficult first half for Eric Ten Hag. What do you say when you go to halftime to your players? I mean, word on the street is um, there was uh, players yelling in the locker room at halftime for Man United. Wouldn't be surprised if one of them was Ronaldo. I'd be disappointed no, if there, I, think, I think I think it was I think it was Bruno and somebody else. I'd be disappointed if there was no one yelling to be honest. I mean the, the yelling is is the minimum that you should expect down 4-0 to your arch rivals at halftime. Yeah, but you're asking what um what Eth goes in and says basically it's nil-nil now guys. Let's win the second half. I know that's a small uh uh it's a battle in the war, but it's what you got to take whenever you're down 4-0 at half to City. Absolutely. And Manchester United would do just that. Um, the second half, Manchester United come out. They have just a bit a bit of possession, not much. Uh, but they get a chance, and, and they find their star boy, Anthony. Uh, Anthony, fresh from um, Ajax, and he cuts in on his left foot and fires an absolute rocket far post into the side netting. Uh, 4-1, his second goal of the season. What do we think of that one, guys? Really nice goal. Um, just beautiful curled in from the, well outside the box. <clears throat> it's really why they went and paid so much for him. Erling Holland, as he does so well, would have a response. Just uh, just eight minutes later, Erling Holland, uh, a ball played in across the box from the left back, the new left back Gomez, and Holland has a tap in for his third hat trick in three straight home games. Yeah, and it's been a while since there's been a hat trick in this uh, derby, which leads us to the next one with Foden with the second one ever since Hollins. Absolutely. A whole nine minutes earlier, um, whenever he's, play, he's just playing on the shoulder of the defense. And I thought he was off sides until we saw the replay. But he put it in the back of the net, as you could always use the shooting practice. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, it was – Another assist for Holland there. Yeah, two assists. Yeah, two assists and three goals for Holland. Yeah, it's pretty pretty crazy to have two players get a hat tricks in the same game. So, Gabby's doing something right for that to happen. That's some FIFA yep. stuff, man. That's something you do on your manager mode, and, and, and when you're playing one of those lower league teams in the Carabao Cup, <laughs> and here they are doing it in real life against their arch rivals. Yeah, got to be a good feeling out there. Man City, what happens a little bit later in the game to give up those two goals? Absolutely. Anthony, yeah. Anthony Martial being a difference maker for Manchester United comes on. 
um, and, and nets two goals, one in the 84th and, and, a, pen, and a penalty in the uh, stoppage time. Uh, final score is 6-3 there. Uh, honorable mention in this game, uh, City's new new center half, Akanji, looks looks the part. I mean, he's great on the ball, and he's a great defender as well. I thought he had a brilliant game. He just was obviously overshadowed by the two attackers up front. Uh, yeah, Akanji, we only paid like $19 million for him, so great bargain signing, and he's almost a lock in our back four at this point. No, I mean, yeah, Kanji's playing really, really well right now. Not sure who can take his spot right now. Definitely, definitely a good signing at twenty-seven and, and, and a pretty cheap price as well. Things you like to see. Yeah, we'll move on to the last game from Sunday. Uh, Leeds United host Aston Villa uh, to Ellen Road. Uh, this one, back and forth game. Two two decent teams, both struggling for form, trying to find themselves. Uh, obviously, Jesse Marsh is serving his uh, one-game touchline ban from his red card so long ago, obviously, because of a, a delayed game and then and an international break. Uh, this one went in 0-0. Uh, Luis Sinistera had a yellow card in the first half, and, and he saw a second yellow card in the 48th minute in the second half after he blocked an Aston Villa free kick that they tried to take quickly. Uh, but Aston Villa just could not make the most of it. A lot of groans from the Aston Villa fans, the away in there, um, and a little bit on Twitter, they're not happy with Steven Gerrard still, and, and there seems to not be um, much of a change at all in this Aston Villa team. Uh, what did we think of this game, and what do we think of Aston Villa's season so far to date? No, you definitely expect um, to win a game when you when your opponent goes down, a man. You definitely expect to get a goal, at least one goal in there. So to see this end in a nil-nil draw, and Leeds going down a man. Very, very frustrating for Aston Villa fans, in my opinion. Yeah, very same situation as Bruno Lodge as they've gone out, uh, spent the cash, and gotten Gerard players that he needs. And you would think that they'd be getting a few wins this season uh, with who they've played, but it just hasn't happened. So he has his seat's definitely red hot right now. Yeah, I agree with that. And then I will move on to the Monday game where uh, two other managers with uh, red hot seats faced off. Uh, Leicester City host uh, recently promoted in big spenders Nottingham Forest to the King Power Stadium. Um, and Leicester City had a response for all those calling for Brendan Rodgers' head as this one uh, within four nil, a brace from James Madison, uh, a goal from Her- uh, Harvey Barnes, and, and Pat Sendaka as well netted to uh, give Lister a four nil win here. Uh, a couple of really, really good goals in this one. Uh, obviously, James Madison's free kick was a brilliant shot, uh, and, and I'll let y'all discuss the other couple of goals. But what did we think of the free kick? Yeah, uh, Kieran Dewsbury Hall gets fouled on in a very dangerous area for that one at the top of the box directly to the left of the D, which is a very dangerous spot for any free kick taker, much less the one that Madison is. And he proves just that uh, as he hits it inside the right post, nothing Henderson could have done about it. What is is it since? I'm not sure what the exact stat is, but I know he's second in outside the shot boxes in the top five leagues in Europe. But like since like 2016 or 17, he has like 17 shots outside the box, which is second most, only behind Messi. So pretty dang good for matters. 
Yeah, it is. Yeah. This this thrashing yeah. this thrashing that Leicester City put on uh, not enforced uh, really really eased the pressure on Brendan Rodgers, and it showed that Leicester City still have what it takes to be a good team. Uh, what were you gonna say, Sue? Um, I was gonna say that that was his second goal of the game, and it marks his fiftieth career Leicester City goal. Yeah, that's that's a big achievement. This is this is a James Madison who's in who's in red hot form. Somehow did not earn an uh, an England spot in the past international break last week. Uh, I think now you look at him. There's no way Garisalke can leave him at home. If he does, it'll definitely be a, a questionable decision. If you're Garisalke, you're definitely having him in your team, right, guys? You have to. But who's Garisalke taking out? You know how he loves his players and the players he's been picking forever now. I don't see him dropping Mason Mount for uh, James Madison, even though you have to. I don't see him doing it. Yeah, I think that's the right call. I do too, especially. I mean, especially the form now. It is, but will Garrett Southgate do it? No, nah, he's gonna stick with his tried and true, even though they're not really true. I guess we'll see. Well, this thrashing uh, by Leicester City on on Nottingham Forest sees Nottingham Forest or sees Leicester City get their first one of the season and uh, move in front of Nottingham Forest on goal differential into nineteenth place. Nottingham Forest being the bottom of the league. One win, one draw, six losses, negative 15 goal differential. That's the worst in the league, uh, and only four points. Really not starting to look good for Nottingham Forest. There were talks uh, that Nottingham Forest board met on Tuesday after this game to discuss Steve Cooper's job. Uh, it seems that they're they're going to give him uh, a, a few more chances, um, but but that that seat's definitely definitely red hot along with uh, a couple other managers in the Premier League. Great right, guys. Yeah, yeah, and he's got a tough job too, especially with them bringing in twenty-two new guys. Like, how do you find any continuity in that team? They should have splurged the cash on five, six, seven, eight quality, quality signings with the money that they spent. Yeah, it's very, very rough for uh, Nottingham Forest. I can see why they maybe wanted to get that many players, but I, I agree with your point, Justin. Absolutely. Yeah, they went all or nothing, and and if they show up with nothing, it's not going to end well for them. We flip the switch and talk about Lester. Um, I mean, it's Ward's first clean sheet. That could be the boost that he needs moving forward as their next four games. They could get a good number of points from uh, as they got Bournemouth, Palace, Leeds, and then Wolves. So we'll have to see moving forward from them. Absolutely. Oh, that that uh wraps up our recap of game week nine. BJ's going to take over, and we're going to get a little prediction time of game week ten. Yeah, so we'll go ahead and um, step right into uh, match week ten, with the first game being Saturday at ten, and it's going to be um, Bournemouth and Leicester going at it. Jack, you want to start us off? Yeah, sure. Both teams with only one win in their uh, past five games. Although Bournemouth uh, has three draws, and, and uh, obviously Leicester has nothing but losses. Yeah, I think this is going to be a pretty good one. Leicester showed something against this Nottingham Forest team, which are struggling as well, and Bournemouth seemed to be a pretty good team. I'm going to go 2 1 Leicester City here. Yeah, I think um, the quality that Leicester has, uh, as we just saw in their last game, 4 nothing to Nottingham Forest. Um, Bournemouth being another one that's newly promoted, I think their quality just takes them past. And I'm gonna go three one. 
Yeah, I think um, I think Lester's quality shows here, like Justin was saying. Um, I I'm, uh, I see him keeping a clean sheet here again. I'm gonna go two zero Lester. So we'll go right along to the next game, and it's going to be Southampton traveling to Manchester to take on Man City. Justin, you want to start us off with this one? I think City with another dominant performance. I'm gonna say four one. Yeah, City are uh, clearly the one of the best teams in the league here, and they're facing a, a really struggling Southampton team. Uh, Ralph Hasselhooten said to be on the hot seat as well. Uh, it looks like his time may be up at Southampton, and this is a very tough game coming in. Um, I'm going to go uh, Erling Haaland hat trick, 3-1. Yeah, I think Man City pulls this one out. Um, Erling Haaland on the score sheet, no way he gets another hat trick here. I don't see it happening. I see he gets one. Uh, we're going to go – we'll go with Jackson, 3-1 City. So we'll go right on to the next game, and it's going to be where um, Wolves travel to Chelsea or travel to London and take on Chelsea. Jack, what's your thoughts on this one? This is kind of a tough one. Um, Wolves will be with a new caretaker manager, and, and Chelsea have been really just etching by getting points. Uh, I think we're going to see a pretty good game here. I do not think Wolves will score. I think Chelsea will win 2-0. Yeah, Chelsea has uh, been at times needing to look a bit sharper, especially in attack. But no, uh, no uh, Neves in the midfield is really going to hurt Wolves' play. I think Chelsea looks a little bit more dominant, and I agree with you with the two nil. Yeah, um, I think Chelsea pulls it out. Wolves missing Neves is going to be huge, which Justin pointed out when we were recapping the game. Uh, I think that's going to hurt them big time. And with the caretaker manager being his first game, big tough one to travel to Chelsea. I see Chelsea handling winning, winning this one 3-1, 3-0 maybe. Uh, we're going to go right along to the next game where it is uh, Brentford traveling to uh, Newcastle United. Jack, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, this is. I I think this one actually will be a, a very good game. Both of these teams uh, playing well. Brentford obviously coming off the back of that no no draw, but they they seem to be uh, playing to their opposition, and, and I really hope that they can pull this one out. Uh, I don't know that they will. I think this one ends one one as a draw. Yeah, Newcastle has drawn a lot this year, but um, I'm a, I'm kind of thinking that this past weekend kind of kick started their goals goal scoring a bit. Uh, I'm going to say that they win either 2-1 or 3-1. Yeah, I think um, Newcastle pull this one out. I think they're going to get into um, they're getting into good form right now. That red card really helped them to find them in the back of the net, so that will help them in this game as well. I see Newcastle winning 3-1. We'll move right on to the next game. It is um, Tottenham traveling to Brighton. Justin, what are your thoughts on this one? I think this will be a really good game. Uh, obviously, as Brighton have been able to find goals all year and really look to, to be a really decent squad uh, with and without Graham Potter. But I don't know if it's enough 
to etch past Spurs, who could really go one of two ways after that loss uh, this weekend in the North London Derby. But I think they get back on track uh, with a 2-0 win over Brighton. Yeah, Emerson Royale will be suspended for this one, and I think that'll help them out. Um, I think uh, Tottenham Hotspur will win this one 2-1 over Brighton. Yeah, unfortunately, I think Tottenham um, get back on the uh, winning track here after getting derailed by Arsenal Saturday morning. <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, Tottenham win 2-1 here, fellas. Brighton do put up a fight, though. We'll move right along to the next game where it is going to be Leeds United traveling to Crystal Palace, London to take on Crystal Palace. Well, this is a good one, yeah. Crystal Palace struggling for a bit of form here. Um, and and uh, Leeds United kind of doing the same. Jesse Marsh back on the touchline. I think that helps, but I think Crystal Palace pulled this one out. I'm going to go 1 0 Crystal Palace. Yeah, I could very easily see that. Both teams, like you said, not really in form. It's either going to be 1-0 Palace or I think Leeds get one back, potentially, uh, for my 1-1 draw. That's what I'm going to say in this 1-1 draw. Yeah, I do see in this uh, being a very hard-fought battle. Both teams are, want the points. Crystal Palace need the points. Uh, Leeds missing uh, Sinister here. He's been playing really well for them. That's going to hurt a little bit, I think. We'll see how that uh affects the game, but I think it's going to hurt. Um, I think Crystal Palace get back to their winning ways here after that loss last week. Um, so, yeah, I see Crystal Palace winning 2-1 here. We'll move right along to the next game where it is Fulham traveling to London to take on West Ham. Yeah, I think West Ham's going to uh, cruise the victory in this one, a depleted Fulham side, obviously, with the injuries we talked about earlier. Uh, I think West Ham gets this one done. I think they get it done in style with another 2-0 win. Yeah, if everybody's still out for Fulham, West Ham get it done pretty easy. I'm going to say 2 0. Yeah, it just really comes down to the injuries here, fellas. We're gonna, I'm going to play in like the injuries are going to take place, and Paulinia and uh, Mitrovic won't be in there. So, yeah, I think West Ham uh, handled them pretty easily in this one, unfortunately, for Fulham. I think West Ham wins uh, 3 1, maybe even 4 1. Oh. So we'll go right along to the next game. and Fellas, it's a big one. It is Liverpool traveling to Arsenal. Whew. Jack, give me your thoughts on this one. Well, yeah, this is a good one. Uh, Liverpool have not reached the heights that they needed to reach in this season. And uh, Arsenal uh, are one of the best teams in the Premier League. Obviously, only lost the season being against Manchester United away from home. They're at home in this one, which makes all the difference for this team. Uh, and, and Gabriel Martinelli versus a struggling Trent Alexander-Arnold is going to be a matchup to watch. I am going to go Arsenal 2-1 in this one. Yeah, and I think Liverpool's uh, habit of going down early comes back to bite them, and they're not going to be able to get enough out of the game um, like they have been here in the past few weeks. And I agree with you, 2-1 Arsenal. Yeah, fellas, I think this one being at the Emirates really helps Arsenal out big time here. I'm very happy that we don't have to travel to Anfield right after playing Tottenham. 
we get back-to-back home games with these big games, give us a boost of confidence here if we can win it. Like um, like I said, I think Arsenal uh, come out and put it on them, and I don't think uh, Liverpool are going to be able to get back in it. Um, Martinelli's going to give Trent Alexander a, a handful in this game. Hopefully, maybe he'll even score him one or two, put Trent Alexander-Arnold on his ass. I'd love to see that. I think Arsenal will get the win here, fellas. Stay top of the table. We're going to go uh, 2-1 Arsenal. We'll go right along to the next big game for Sunday. And it's a late game at that one. 2 o'clock here on our time, Eastern Standard Time. We're going to go... Um, so it's going to be uh, Manchester United traveling to Everton, Liverpool to take on Everton. Jack, go ahead and start us off. What are your thoughts on Everton here? Oh, Can they this, do it? This is a tough one. Um, Everton with a big test here. Uh, currently on six games unbeaten. Uh, currently stand as the best defense in the league with the least amount of goals allowed. Um, Manchester United are, are a decent team uh, coming obviously off of a backup of Thraxing, but but they showed signs to be pretty good at the end. I would love to see Dominique Calvert-Lewin come back and, and play in this one because it sounds like Victor Lindelof and Lissandro Martinez will be the two starting in the middle for Manchester United. I think that he can win that aerial matchup. It's a tough one. It's at Goodison Park, which really gives Everton a big advantage. I'm going to go in this one, Everton 2-1. Um, yeah, I think the ability that United has, especially with Anthony and Rashford going forward, I think that they're able to pull it out, but it's going to be by the narrowest of margins, 1-0 United. Yeah, I would love to see Everton pull this one out. Just see Manchester United get farther, farther into the dumps. Never like to see them win, but I just don't see it happening, unfortunately. I do think Everton gets a draw here, though, which will still be big for them. Uh, we'll go with a little 1-1 draw here. So we'll go right along to the last game for uh, match week 10, and it is Aston Villa going to take on Nottingham Forest. Justin, what are your thoughts on this one? Well, Villa should win. And for this one, it's a must win for Steven Gerrard if he wants to keep his job. Um, and I'm going to say they do just that, uh, either 1-0 or 2-1. to one. one win between both of these teams in the past 10 games in the Premier League. Uh, really not two teams flying in form, to say the least. Uh but again, I, I just don't think I think Forest have a lot of problems and I think they that they need that World Cup break to figure them out. Uh and it's gonna be tough to get there. I think Aston Villa with a uh, a two no win here, uh, handle Forest away from home. Yeah, um I like to think on the opposite side of this. I think um Forrest coming to this one being at home, um Aston Villa with the way they're playing not even being able to score against Leeds um, with a man advantage. Really, really sad performance for them. I think a nod in the forest come out and win this one, get back on the winning track. I'm going to go uh, 2 1, not in the forest. Well, that wraps up uh, Game Week 9's recap and Game Week 10's prediction of tackling the Premier League. We really appreciate you guys having a listen, uh, hanging out with us for, for the time that this podcast takes. Um, Again, follow us on Twitter, interact with us, 
vote in our polls, tweet at us, let us know what you think. Uh, and uh, and uh, we really appreciate us at Tackling the Prim on Twitter. Thanks again, guys. Yeah, thank y'all, especially if you made it this far. Really appreciate it.